It's Adam Shartoff, your host of Film Wax Radio. It's Friday, August 21st, 2020, and this is episode 630 of the show. We have two segments I'm proud of. Uh, the first is with a returning Michael Almereda, who, uh, I don't know, he's a prolific filmmaker uh, who's made so many films. We'll talk about Michael in a minute. He was on episode 429 or something. It was three years ago today. That's all I could tell you. It was posted three years ago exactly today. And so it's fitting that we'll have Michael back on. We'll talk about Michael in a minute regarding his new film, Tesla, starring Ethan Hawke, which is opening today virtually and, you know, online and demand. And then we have also coming up uh, Kazimir Naskowski, whose film, The Outside Story, had a very successful drive-in premiere in Brooklyn at Rooftop Films a couple of weeks ago. We put the conversation with, with Cosmere on the Filmwax Radio YouTube channel. So I don't know if you've seen it there already. If you prefer to watch that, you can go ahead and do that instead of uh, listening to the audio of it. But that's the second segment. So we'll talk about his Brooklyn indie comedy called The Outside Story, which I loved. But first, let's talk about uh, the first segment. Michael Almereda is an award-winning filmmaker who has gathered acclaim for his prolific and varied body of work. Marjorie Prime, based on Jordan Harrison's Pulitzer-nominated play, premiered at the 2017 Sundance Film Festival and was awarded the Alfred P. Sloan Feature Film Prize. Uh, he was He's back now. I mean, he's, uh, in addition, he's made um, many other uh, films before, including um, uh, he's worked with... Uh, Ethan Hawke, who is the star of Tesla, he, he's worked with uh, Ethan on uh, his version of Hamlet, most notably. And also Cymbeline. Michael made a great number of films that have been in many great film festivals, including the 2015 film Experimenter. But Tesla itself premiered, fortunately, for Michael and for the film at this year's Sundance Film Festival, which got in there just before all film festivals essentially had to stop in their tracks. But Sundance was beginning and the end of this year's film festival circuit, if you will. A little bit about the film. Brilliant visionary Nikola Tesla, played by Ethan Hawke, fights an uphill battle to bring his revolutionary electrical systems to fruition, then faces thornier challenges with his new system for worldwide wireless energy. The film tracks Tesla's Uneasy interactions with his fellow inventor, Thomas Edison, played by the great Kyle McLaughlin, and his patron, George Westinghouse, played by Jim Gaffigan, former guest of this podcast. Another thread traces Tesla's sidewinding courtship of financial titan J.P. Morgan, played by Donnie uh, Keschwartz, whose daughter, Anne uh, Eve Hewson, takes a more than casual interest in the inventor. Uh, Anne analyzes and presents the story as it unfolds, offering a distinctly modern voice to this scientific period drama, which, like its subject, defies convention. Okay, so Tesla is in theaters and on demand as of today, Friday, August 21st. I recommend it. What a great cast. And um, I also want to mention that um, in addition to the actors we've already mentioned in the cast, I also want to mention Josh Hamilton as well as Hannah Gross, James Urbaniak, 
And even Lois Smith has a cameo in the film. So I just wanted to mention those folks, some of whom have been on the show before. So go check out Tesla as soon as you can. We'll play a little bit of the trailer going into this conversation. And we'll be back with uh, part two of the podcast today with filmmaker Kosmir Naskowski. Is nature a gigantic cat? And if so, who strokes its back? May I introduce the brilliant Nikola Tesla, the greatest inventor of the age. If you Google Nikola Tesla, you get 34 million results. It's basically just four pictures. Beyond that, things get murky and more imaginative. Thomas Alva Edison. Got a light? Oh, Tesla. Didn't see you there before. I now have the pleasure of introducing you to a novel system of energy. Alternate currents. Just will transform the way the world works. No, no sparks. sparks. It's perfect. Where have you been hiding? Alternating current is a waste of time. Impractical and deadly. You live in your head. Doesn't everyone? All right. So maybe I'll disable the video so you're not distracted by my beauty. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There. Is that better? Do we care? I mean, I, I miss you already, but whatever, whatever's coming. <laughs> well, Michael, you know, you, do you remember that we would run into each other in these village like pretty regularly for a while there, right? I'm glad to hear it. Okay. Well, where, where are you from now? Where are you based now? Well, I moved out of the city a couple months ago to uh, the Hudson Valley just to kind of figure, you know, it was a number of things, of course, uh, where it just sort of transpired at the same time, which led me to the decision it wasn't purely just the pandemic, but that certainly... But it know. was that timing? Yeah. Where in the Hudson are you? Um, I'm right near Bard. Yeah, I, I, um, I like that area a lot. I had a... It likes you. I lived, well, yeah. I don't know about that. I lived <laughs> with a woman who went to Bard, and I visited John Ashbery um, and made a film with him and, mm-hmm. you know, right on, on Hudson. It's very beautiful. And Peter Hutton was a friend. So, yeah, I feel very close to that area. You're lucky to have land there. That's great. Like, uh, it's exactly where I need to be right now. Let's put it that way. It feels so right in it. Every day mm-hmm. I go for some sort of walk or hike or, you know, it's just everywhere is so pretty. And uh, it's, it's sort of feeding my, um, my heart. It's feeding my, my soul, you know, that kind of thing, which I, I need. I lost my dad. And then the pandemic, it was all this stuff happening. It was very yeah, tough for a sorry while. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, thank you. Um, anyway, it's, um, but I do, do recall running into you like on the street and a few times there on, uh, where you, the cafe, let's say where you sometimes would work at it. <laughs> I won't identify that place, but, uh, well, unfortunately it's not in business right now. Yikes. Mm-hmm. That makes right. Of course. I hope it survives, but who knows? Yeah. Me too. Me too. Well, you were on here once before with Lois Smith. I don't know if you remember. It goes back a few years now. Okay. All right. I really feel like I thoroughly botched that one up uh, just because my, you know, I was kind of nervous meeting her and, 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 and I was very, you know, very excited, you know, not to say I'm not excited to talk to you. But <laughs> I, I wish Lois was here with me now. <laughs> no, no, I'm actually yeah, glad because I would probably start stammering and, you know, puffing and puffing. But anyway, uh, th- this was... She a- does have a cameo in Tesla, you know. What? 
She has a cameo in Tesla. I don't know if you caught it. I didn't catch that. Was she in a costume or something? Well, everyone was in a costume. Well, she, she, um, I think that's the, that's one of the liabilities of our age. If you're watching on the laptop, yeah. but she had a couple close-ups. Okay. She was, she was in a, um, After we watch. during one of Tesla's exhibitions, she was given a prominent role in making a, a glass lamp light up. Oh, okay. She had a radiant smile to match the lamp. She well, how does that work out when you just like, she's just happy to come on the set for, for. Well, she, a she's a friend. Yeah. 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 And I, I think she was, I was fortunate to have her mm-hmm. stop by and light up the room truly. And she, she's, you know, she's done, she's had cameos in a few of my other movies, but obviously Marjorie Prime, she's more prominent. I'll say. Yeah. This one feels very much like it's a uh, culmination or perhaps just like a real benchmark for you because it's you've been this is from a script that you at least um an earl uh, some some draft of a script that you had written many many years ago and have been mm-hmm. a couple of false starts with is that safe to say or mm-hmm. um i don't know if i'd call them false starts but they were definitely alternate versions the script evolved the world evolved i may have even evolved to the point where there was a way to tell the story mm-hmm within a, a different framework, but it's in many respects the same story and elements of the script survive and are intact. So it, it, I don't know if it's a culmination, but it does feel like I was able to loop the loop on a few, uh, in, in a few respects. Yeah, well, I guess I'm referring to, uh, from what I understand that this was from a childhood fascination with Tesla, right? With uh-huh. people of Tesla and uh, you had a friend a good friend who turned you on to him through his own sheer enthusiasm. Yes, he was a comic book artist, a kind of cranky, brilliant comic book artist named Alex Toth. Mm -hmm. And he steered me to a book called Prodigal Genius, which was the first biography of Tesla written after Tesla died, written within a year of his death. So it was filled with um, kind of mythological formulations and great enthusiasm and, and idolatry, but it also is an inspiring book to this day because a lot of it is quite grounded and was written by someone who knew the man. And that became a foundation. The book's in the public domain now. And there've been many superior books that build on that and in some ways scuttle some of the, some of the speculative aspects of that book. But still, that was the platform that I was springing off of. In terms of uh, you made a, a quick mention, a slight mention, of interest, how you structured the film, mm-hmm. uh, which we can talk about a little bit, but uh, is, sure. that, is that what you mean? Like when you're saying you lifted it from the book or words? Well, the, no, the, what I lifted from the book is the biographical facts that are now available on Wikipedia. They weren't available that way 40 years ago. And, and the essence of the story, mm-hmm. the relationships in his lives, the business deals, the inventions, the discoveries, and the disappointments and failures are in that book. And it's, it's an exciting thing to, to read. I recommend it. But almost all the Tesla books, in some ways, he's been lucky. His legacy includes some really terrific scholarship. And my movie, I hope it's obvious, is more interested in understanding him as a person than as a scientist. It's not a strictly a scientific movie. It's a human story. But 
but I did my best to read everything I could and to yeah, I was going to ask you what understand you as much as I could. If anyone is listening with a true interest in Tesla beyond the movie, there's a the book that felt most valuable ultimately is a book that came out most recently called The Truth About Tesla by Christopher Cooper. And that, that assesses, assembles information from all the books and goes at Tesla from the point of view of copyright history of, of the law. And that's incredibly revealing to peel back layers and to go around the personalities and around the, the uh, popular portraits and to get into that kind of nitty gritty. But at the same time, he's a very clear, unlegalistic writer and the book's beautifully illustrated. And it has in the back the seven most common myths about Tesla, which he just kind of knocks out. And that's a, it's a healthy thing to be aware of. What might be a myth? One of the myths, um, which I think I tried to soften or sidestep, not sidestep, but, but I wasn't trying to smash them, but there's, there's a myth that J.P. Morgan was the real nemesis and destroyer of Tesla. And I'm inclined to believe that Tesla was self-destructive and ultimately by, by uh, misleading Morgan and betraying him financially that he kind of undid himself. But um, there's a myth that Tesla was interested or um, was heroically presenting an idea of free energy. That term free energy has become, it, I mean, it haunted me when I was a kid and when I was first getting interested in Tesla, the idea that, that energy is a, a, a shareable right that all people can have and um, enjoy. And Tesla was interested in wireless energy and he was interested in super, super overwhelming the, the current standard of how to sell it. But he wasn't as much of an anti-capitalist as I and many other people imagined or hoped. I don't think he had in mind that energy should be free or could be free. It's, it's more important to insist on the scientific fact of how things are truly transmitted and received and distributed. So the myth of free energy is one that, that has to be addressed. And the, the amazing thing about him, well, there are many amazing things, but he, after achieving what would place anyone in the history books with his, with his um, system for distributing alternating current, he then tried to reach beyond that achievement and kind of sweep it aside and do a new system of wireless energy. And he tried to do it very quickly and very absolutely. And he wasn't, he wasn't very skilled at marketing or, mm -hmm. or um, consolidating his resources. And that's part of his tragedy. And the movie addresses that a little, but again, I, was, I became interested in the human story. But the idealism of Tesla remains very stirring and inspiring to me, even if, if you deduct the idea that he, uh, uh, deduct the idea of free energy. The film also obviously explores the relationship that he had with Edison and mm -hmm. how complicated that was. Yes. Um, for a while, it seemed to be where Edison, they sort of, their their dynamic shifted over time, of course, right? I mean, uh, um, at the start of the story, it seems like Tesla was just coming out of a period where he worked for Edison, right? And Edison mm -hmm. was on the rise. Edison wasn't only on the rise, he was the hero of the world. 
He was one <laughs> of the most famous people in the world, and he was one of the most successful scientists and entrepreneurs in the history of, of the world. So it was they, the idea that they were rivals, that, that always amuses me because there was no way to be a rival with that man, especially to 27-year-old immigrant mm-hmm. Nikola Tesla. But, but he was in Edison's employ. And as the film points out, and not many of the books pay heed to this, but this was one bit of research I felt I was, I was um, slightly proud of focusing on. Edison's wife died the summer that Tesla went to work for him. So even if Edison had been more tempor- temperamentally suited to enjoy the company of Nikola Tesla, he, he was very distracted. He was very mm-hmm. busy with that personal tragedy. And that's often deducted from the historical record. And I think that might have been a big element of how they didn't quite click. But, yeah. but the more I read, and a, a book came out after we finished shooting on Edison, a wonderful book by a guy named Edmund Morris, and he won the Pulitzer Prize. Excuse me? Oh, yeah, I was just a well-known historian, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he he had written a three-volume book on Teddy Roosevelt that I'm not, I can't say I've read, but this book is is wonderful, and it includes something I hadn't known, that even around 1900, when Tesla came back from Colorado Springs and delivered a lecture, Edison attended the lecture. So mm-hmm. how much how much could they have hated each other? He not only attended the lecture, he showed up late. He Tesla interrupted himself, walked off the stage, shook Edison's hand, and led him to wow. his seat, and the audience applauded. Right. So that's that's a different portrait of that yeah. relationship. It's a different window into it. And and I wanted I didn't want to make Edison a villain. I've never believed himself to be a villain. And another thing Christopher Cooper's book points out is that that if you want to recognize what harm was done to Edison, to Tesla over his troubled career when he agreed to tear up his contract with George Westinghouse. That did him, that did him, he was doing himself more damage at that moment with Westinghouse standing by than anything Edison ever did to him by far. So it's, I was trying to set the record state straight a little, but I wasn't trying to be schematic or didactic about it. And it's, um, it's a fascinating story in all of its ins and outs, I think. Well, it sounds like the journey is is enormously gratifying, like how you, um, you know, the collecting of the facts uh, or information, I should say, and deriving what is the fact and what isn't. That's I mean, a good point, because yeah, a lot of it stays might, mysterious. Like, yeah. yeah, and so for you to arrive at, at a clear picture for yourself, the clearer the picture, the more gratifying making the film, right? Because you can, and then you find mm-hmm. an actor, like let's say an Ethan Hawke, and you can then communicate to him that composite, or rather that, um, that idea of who this guy was, because you now have a clear idea for yourself, and you're comfortable with it, right? And Ethan, you know, transformed it in, into his own terms and his own understanding, and that's part of the luck of working with someone like Ethan. Right, it, uh, who, of course, you have worked with several times now. Mm-hmm. Well, that's always... A, a benefit, right? I mean, uh, sure. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I can't emphasize it enough. It just starts <laughs> turning into something kind of sappy to say, but the movie wouldn't exist without Ethan, his Why? commitment and his, yeah. his um, attachment to the film sure. literally got it made. And then his enthusiasm as the center, central actor powered the shoot. And he was also 
crucial in revising or shaping the script. A few of my favorite lines of dialogue came from lines he suggested. The best, I think, is when he, his friend says that if he could find a way to get closer to Anne Morgan, she could make all his dreams come true. And Ethan's response was, all my dreams are true. And that became a kind of central notion of the man's confidence that he was living in his head, but he, he didn't really see a separation between the, the scientific fantasies he was building and, and the realities he was trying to accomplish. Wow. I mean, that you're, you're, it, it does bring to light this, this notion that until, uh, I mean, a scientist is always working in experimentation, right? I mean, they'd have to do, the majority of their life is just preparation for trying to prove some fact that nobody has proven yet. I mean, isn't that, so until then, you're just dealing with hypotheses, right? I mean, well, yeah, it's, it's very moving. You know, you know I, I don't, I'm not really a scientific person, but I scrape away at certain kinds of reading. And it's fascinating to think that Einstein, as celebrated as he was, his theory of relativity, relativity wasn't confirmed until I think a few decades later when a solar eclipse happened. Mm-hmm. And, um, and everyone had to line up and say, well, I guess he really knew what he was talking about. And one of those people was Edison. Edison did his best to, to make sense of, of Einstein, and he confessed that it was over his head, but he filled a notebook. This, again, is from the new book. He filled, a 30, he filled 34 pages of notes studying Einstein. And Einstein was uh, on record staying up late in Germany on Edison's 75th birthday so he could deliver by radio a friendly greeting. And he did the same for Tesla, but Tesla denounced Einstein. He thought that Einstein was living in a fantasy, that Einstein was, that Einstein's theories were impossible and, and mis, mis, uh, misguided. So it's curious how you can measure these different, different kinds of um, accomplishment and be brilliant in one, in one direction and not so brilliant in another. Yeah. You also, you, we've been talking about Edison. You, you, you brought in another old friend, I suppose, um, somebody who's also directed before, Kyle McLaughlin, who plays Edison. Pretty awesome. Yeah, thanks. He's great. He's fantastic. <laughs> he brings a lot of life into, I mean, in this particular, Ethan, Ethan's Tesla is, is a bit, can be a bit dour. He's a very internalized person and hard, sometimes a little hard to read, whereas Edison is the American, right? He's the absolutely all about all about uh, charisma and you know sh- a bit of a showman, sh- showman, I guess, a little bit uh, at least. But it's it, what comes across is in in terms of what you say, despite their complicated relationship, is a great amount of mutual respect. I mean, as you know, scientists and as un- understanding how we, everybody learn from each other and built off each other's ideas. Mm-hmm. That was an exciting time to be a, an inventor in the and late did. 19th century. Well, since we mentioned those guys, we should mention Jim Gaffigan plays Westing, Westinghouse. Yep. And um, Josh Hamilton, who I always love seeing, is in the film as well. And uh, He's a good friend. I, I, I'm hoping to throw him bigger parts in the future, but he's a wonderful actor. Yeah, yeah. I've been friendly with him for a while. He's amazing on stage, especially. It's sometimes a curse. Someone can be uh, so gifted and not always have the full um, 
the roles that can show how gifted they are. Right. Well, you know, it, that the eighth grade, I really showcased his, I mean, he, he, deli- he just like uh, knocked him out with that. I thought mm-hmm. he was lovely in that film. I thought very moving role, you know, in a very different type of thing, I thought. And then also, uh, Anne uh, Morgan is played by Eve Hewson, who is mm-hmm. uh, maybe one of the most, um, she's, she's pretty, pretty, very attractive woman, it turns out. I mean, she's, it turns out (laughs) i don't want to i don't want to like you know put too much emphasis on you know the superficial but she's very 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 yeah she's she's special in every direction and i was lucky to recruit her i admired her in soderbergh's the nick the nick yeah right so she knows how to wear a corset and um (laughs) <laughs> uh, I think she's a singular. She's a bit typecast yeah. in roles where she's required to wear it, of course. It, but I, I look forward oh. to seeing her in many other kinds of double-edged roles. sword. So, someone like Ethan having Ethan around that just that helps a great deal in terms of filling in such an A-list cast. And well, by A-list, I mean, Ethan was the starting point, and then we did right. our best to fill in the blanks. And I, I'm yep. lucky to have a few friends who are available and willing. Yeah. Hannah Gross, James Urbaniak, all the great, these great indie stars. I'm glad, yeah, I'm glad you can, yeah, the, the Lo- full. Yeah, no, lovely. Thanks. And then, I thought it was interesting, is this the first time you've worked with the DP, Sean Williams? No, he shot Marjorie Prime. He did shoot, okay, I couldn't yeah. remember that. I didn't remember and we did, And we did two shorts together, mm-hmm. and one of them is showing on the Criterion Channel this month. It's a portrait of the poet John Ashbery. And that's that's when I went. We went to the Hudson, to Hudson Town, and shot in his house. Um, oh, that you referred to at the beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that I'm glad this Criterion had funded the short, and they're just now releasing it. And it's just 15 minutes long, but I think we packed a lot into it. Well, and Sean shot that with his own 16 millimeter camera. Oh, nice. What was that? On the shoulder. It's called the Lonedale Operator. It's the name of a D.W. Griffith movie, but also the name of a poem that John wrote about his experience of seeing movies when he was a boy. I can't wait to see it. Is now, let's tie this into another thing that I just newsbreaking, newsbreaking uh, information here. If you say so. Okay. I just got an email today or just moments ago, or I noticed it moments ago, that, and you're being, by the way, referred to as an American iconoclast. So I don't mean to embarrass you, but. These are not my words. These are okay. the Museum of the Moving Image. <laughs> they are. They have uh, programmed a retrospective of, of of four of your features and a number of your shorts. Yeah, it's a modest retrospective. It, it feels the right size. It's not too overwhelming. And for those for those of your listeners who aren't too busy right now, I can recommend these films. And um, but they're all films made within the last fifteen years. The shorts I'm particularly proud of, I don't, maybe not particularly proud of, but I can, the shorts are evidence for other filmmakers that you can make things out of nothing. They're all self-financed films. They're all made with friends. And they're, I think there's something about the spirit in which they're made that I hope translates into. To the Unknown, Skin, mm-hmm. and, Skin and Grove, The Great Gatsby yeah. in Five Minutes, The Ogre's fa- uh, Feathers, excuse me and The North Wind's Gift. They're all pretty different. Some of them are fiction shorts. Some of them are documentary. They're and when you all, documentary, think, you, are you in more in a, in a kind of an experimental mood? 
I don't, I, I, I think my documentaries have been pretty straightforward. I think what's different about them, because I've made quite a few, is that they're truly handmade, that I don't mm-hmm. tend to you know, be inclined towards the documentaries that feel like you've got the full orchestra going and a full film crew and are trying to sell something. It, they're usually intimate encounters and they're usually portraits of people who I like and have gotten to know. So my first, okay. yeah, they're, almost all my documentaries have been like that. And the, the one that they're including is my one certifiably award-winning film that won an award at Sundance for best short nonfiction film and one elsewhere, but I don't have to reel that off. But they, the film is very simple, and I think that's what was the charm of it, why, why it was award-worthy. And it's simply a kind of slide lecture conducted by a great photographer named Christopher Killip. And he's talking about a particular body of work in a northern English fishing town called Skin and Grove. And the film is, I hope it's more, it's both simple and complicated because it's the emotional territory it, ex- mm-hmm. it happens to explore gets, gets kind of, um, it, it gets, I, I don't want to give anything away, but he, it's, it's one of my more moving films, let's say, and you can, and it's 15 minutes long, so go for it. And, Maybe and, that. Mm-hmm. and it was, again, it was financed out of nothing and done, done with Chris, who's a friend. So there's, again, the one reason I can justify talking about my work under these circumstances, I just hope that somebody can, um, can feel something from it that, that's valuable, and especially young filmmakers can, can see a, a way to go forward because it's often very forbidding, very, it can seem impossible. Well, maybe that's your sweet spot is being able to tell a story and, you know, have emotional connection to, to the characters, to the story, and at the same time uh, also present a kind of a more complicated scenario, you know? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, for a better description. But uh, I, I just want to make sure to get some of the dates in here then because uh, I, I went sure. to the retrospective, which again, that we were t- just talking about those shorts, which are just going to be in addition to the features, which I'll, I'll tell people about. I that. don't know how you do a virtual retrospective. It's all news to me. It's all... Well, uh, you're going to find out. Okay, great. But yeah, I mean, go just, for it. In a matter of days, you're going to find out. But, declarations you want. Um, <laughs> But uh, let's also clarify that what we've been essentially talking about is Tesla, your film, mm-hmm. your new feature, uh, which stars Ethan Hawke and Kyle MacLachlan. It, it's going to be in theaters. And I, I wonder how that Shock, works. Shockingly enough, they've given me a list of over 75 theaters. I, well, I, 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 will, I guess you can go to IFC Films and find out where all those theaters are. Yeah, I, yeah, I think they're mostly in Utah and Ohio okay. and Texas and Florida. But okay. they're all over, the, all over the map, but mostly those places. And okay. otherwise, it's streaming. You know, that's sure, the it'll be outright streaming on demand. All uh, begin, premieres August 21st, which is coming right up. And also, this, this retrospective is going to be from August 21st through September 20th. So nice long time. So when we do figure out what the virtual retrospective is, (laughs) you have some time to kind of... I guess you're just able to stream things at once. Yes, yes. There's probably pay for what you want to see, or maybe you can buy the whole package, that kind of thing. We'll see. But go to the Museum of the Moving Image, their site, uh, movingimage.org, I think it's what it's... uh, 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 but anyway, you can Google Museum of the Moving Image to find out what. But let's mention those fe- the features since you said they were all within the last 
15 years, meaning I saw them all. Uh, William Eggleston, oh no, I didn't see William Eggleston in the real world, I do have to see that. Experimenter, which was, which was wonderful. Uh, Marjorie Prime, we mentioned, that's gonna be there. And Escapes, and I wanna tell you, which is one of your documentaries, I actually talked at Hampton Fancher recently. Great. On the, on the air, I can look it up. No, no, it's not up yet. I have oh, to. Okay. I I just I just got them and I moved forward. <laughs> you know, was able to do it. It's a great raconteur. I can testify to that. Yeah. yeah. What a great idea for a documentary. And then, um, it just made me like since I saw uh since I saw Escapes, I've been wanting to meet this guy. And then he happened to be doing a. Um, being part of a um, thing at, uh, at Vermont School of Fine Arts. I didn't know about that. Yeah, no, Vermont course. College of Fine Arts. And, uh-huh. and uh, yeah, it was part of their, this, uh, you know, program that they, they did online. And he participated as part, I guess, part of the, screen, probably the screenwriting component is my guess. And the person who was running it, she told me, and I said, oh, my goodness, I'd love to get Hampton on the podcast. And so she said, oh, let me, let me help, you, help you make it happen. So Perfect. Nice. But um, I, I made a note to mention that to you, since you put him on my map. Great. Or, yeah. He should be on everyone's map. Yeah. <laughs> everyone's, yeah. <laughs> All right. So I think that's, so we got that. So the retrospective begins the same, same to, essentially the same day that your, your phone goes to theaters in the West. <laughs> and and uh, it makes, makes some sort of sense. Yeah, why not? And uh, I recommend it um, if you want to see uh, Thomas Edison on an iPhone. Did I catch, catch that minute, that moment right in the film? You watched it on the laptop? I'm just curious because I've been having friends lament how, how we watch well, it. It seems to be uh, at one point, because you're, you're playing a little bit. Well, I, you know, one thing I wanted to mention, and this is not new, like kind of playing with, um, you know, uh, playing with a time frame and playing with um, that sort of idea, but he test you know the the, the the characters in the movie they feel yes they feel contemporary i guess you could say but more so it's just rather than always kind of uh marginalizing historical figures to history books you know we can they can be more relevant in our present day life and i think the film kind of helps make that happen in a successful way i'm glad you say that and think so thank you you know, because we, 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 we take the internet for granted, but with you know more about who this guy was and how really contemporary and or far, far ahead he was, you know, mm-hmm. you realize, and, and, and of course his personal life, we can all relate to. I think you achieved that quite well with the film. So I thought maybe, because at one point there's this magical realism moment or whatever you want to call it, where, you know, Ethan Hawke, sort of breaks into song and or i should say tesla breaks into song right and there are some moments like that was it not when he was at the uh, chicago world fair did edison when he saddled up to the bar after he walked away from tesla does he what is he doing at the bar well yeah you got you got it but that that scene not to give too much away yeah i don't want to it's a bit of uh trying to be vague it's it's well i don't know how to get that out i suppose it's not this the scene the scene was meant as a sort of what if Right. Uh, encapsulation of part of the wistful thinking behind the right, movie. That's, right, right. Uh, that's true. You do explain through the voiceover, of, which mm-hmm. is done by Ann Morgan, that, right, that this it, it's, a, it's a shame that they didn't have a, a, a better relationship. 
Yeah, and, oh, um, I see, right. But, but we, can, we can all speculate about what the world would be like if they had found a way to work together. Right. They weren't meant to, though. It's, it's, um, they weren't meant to. No. Well, the world keeps unfolding and keeps amazing us. I mean, uh, right. So Freud and Jung, you could see it there too, right? I mean, there's all sorts of... I think they had a little bit more of a sustained ride together. But <laughs> Edison was only nine years older than Tesla, but they were really worlds apart. My instructions to the actors were kind of simple, that, that Tesla's a cat and Edison's a dog, and they're just not gotcha. part of the same species. That's a good way. They had a lot in common, but just ultimately, in, in essence, they were very different people. This is great. I really enjoyed talking to you. you I, I, thanks. I'm, I'm glad to get reacquainted. I'm sorry. I'm, not, I'm just camera shy, but I think it worked out. No, it's, it's, it turns out it's okay. I always feel like it's for me, it's, it's, it's more difficult when I'm not. I mean, the fortunate thing is I just want to relay. You did see me on video, so you remembered who I was. I yeah, know. yeah, it was good. I mean, I, I looked you up when they, oh. when, they, when they gave me a list of people said, yeah, okay, great. Oh, thank you. But, but well, I was, because I'm really, I'm, I'm, I think I'm really bad at this, so I, I have deflected a few because I just don't want to be overwhelmed. But I said, sure, great, welcome back. So, um, and I listened to your Amy Simons podcast and I enjoyed that. Oh, I, I wish, see that, 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 uh, well, thank you for listening to it. I can't really say that was optimal because, I mean, uh, Caitlin is probably listening, so I don't, I, I want, she's lovely and she did a great thing and I think I still managed to pull it off. But it was you can edit this for me. Out. Oh, Caitlin. Yeah. Okay, that Caitlin. I yeah, we're going to wind it down here too, Caitlin. I'm probably running over. But, okay. but um, And by the way, Michael, there, you, this is it after. So okay. Like, so. All right. Well, Caitlin, thank you for both, you know, hooking me up with both Michael and also uh, Amy. It was just short. You know, I don't operate. I very, I, I can only kind of, like with longer format is kind of closer to what I'm trying to do. And I feel I'm just not good at doing very short conversations because I don't. It takes a while for me to feel comfortable and get into a rhythm. But once I do, I, that, neon micromanaged the press day, so that totally. Oh, I, 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 knew, <laughs> I knew that, Caitlin. I, I knew that, and that you've always been very generous. So that's not. <laughs> I, it, what, I, and I do have the option of not saying or of saying no. So, but I really, really like Amy, and I like the work she does, and I also. Uh, I'm a big fan of some of the actors in that film, so I kind of wanted to support it. So I was fine. I thought if I good, to, good to talk to you. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Same here. And when the um, when the Hampton Fancher goes up, I I hope that I can somehow maybe I'll let Caitlin know so she can get it to you. Well, you can. I'm easy to reach if you want to get in touch. It's oh, easy. very good. Okay. Okay. All Thanks, right. Adam. Fine. Let's just one more to say goodbye. So I, I'll edit that back and then. Um, We'll, we'll be back on the show for a second. All right, so I'll just thanks so much, Michael, for uh, for making time today. And um, I hope everybody goes sees uh, Tesla in theaters or on demand August 21st. Thank you, Adam. Thanks a lot. All right, until next time. Take care. Bye. You lack funding. Mr. Tesla thinks I owe him money. What was it, $50,000? Yes. Anne Morgan, daughter of J. Pierpont Morgan. A woman like that can make all your dreams come true. All my dreams are true. <laughs> you want to eliminate? You work at night in a secret laboratory. You shoot lightnings from the earth to the sky. Fun to write the team Wildcat, and I've become nothing but a mass of bloody scratches. Now you like being scratched.
if necessary. Okay, Kazimir Niskowski, this is his first time on the podcast. I'm thrilled to bring him on with The Outside Story. After many acclaimed supporting roles, Brian Tyree Henry from the uh, show Atlanta, and he was also in If Beale Street Could Talk, takes on his first big screen lead role as Charles, an introverted video editor trying to recover from a broken heart. Perceiving a betrayal of trust as a sign, his girlfriend Isha, played by uh, Sinequa Martin-Green from Star Trek Discovery, uh, is leaving him. Charles preemptively blows up his relationship and sequesters himself at home before it was cool to do so. The fates don't comply, and Charles accidentally locks himself out of his Brooklyn apartment, stumbling into a life-changing odyssey up, down, around, and above his block. Charles meets a world of previously avoided neighbors, played by uh, Sunita Mahani, Olivia Edward, uh, um, Asia Kate Dillon, Maria Dizia, and Michael Cyril Creighton, among others. I should mention there are two screenings coming up of the film. It will uh, the outside story has its uh, premiere tonight at uh, LA's Method Fest. Go to the Method Festival website for more details about that. That's tonight, and then the film will have its Florida premiere at the Florida Film Festival, which runs from August seventh through the twentieth. Again, it'll be playing in competition at the Florida Film Festival. Go to the Florida Film Festival website for more details about that festival, which I have to assume is almost entirely, if not entirely, online at this stage. So um, here is uh, my conversation with the filmmaker, Kazimir Naskowski, uh, regarding his comedy, dramedy, The Outside Story. You can follow it on most social media, especially Facebook, just to keep track. So if you don't want to uh, watch it at one of those film festivals I mentioned, uh, I'm sure it'll be more widely available soon. In the meantime, here is my conversation with Kazimir Niskowski, here only, by the way, on FilmWax Radio. Hey. Hey, here you go. Number eight, extra guac, 15 bucks. It went up? Yeah, man. Avocados. And blame the cartels. out of my apartment i repeat i'm locked out of my apartment man down call me back and my keys are right there right there okay i'm gonna need to see some id my, my license is in my apartment no one's got keys for you no you just moved in i've lived here for three years weird i've never seen you before hey it's charles from two floors down Hello. your fellow building inhabitant charles isha's ex Isha left you. It really doesn't mean anything. She cheated on me. Why did she cheat on you? I don't know. Well, that's not the end of the world. It feels like it. You ever been cheated on? Probably. 
Hello, hello, hello. Hello, greetings. Greetings. How are you? Hi, right, how are you? Very good. Good to see you. Good to see you too. Right on. Nice uh, lighting in the background there through the window. A lot of a lot of windows there. There are some windows here. This is I'm in my uh, parents' house in um, upstate New York. Where, which town are you in? In High Falls, in the Hudson Valley near uh, New Paltz. Kingston. I'm, I'm just up the road. No way. Where are you? Yeah, I'm in the Hudson Valley. I know, but I'm on the other side. I'm I'm in um, uh, just north of Rhinebeck. North of Rhinebeck. Oh, that's fun. South Very of cool. Hudson. South of Hudson. Very good. Actually, I just realized my dad's painting. Hold on. I have to. <laughs> that painting is hilarious. Hold on. For sale. This is one of my dad's older older work here. Hold on one second. <clears throat> yeah, put a newer one up there that's for sale. <laughs> a newer one. I would. I mean, there's so many. There's so many. I'm in the middle of inventorying his. Oh. Uh, all his all his work. Uh-huh. Um, passed away last year and uh oh, he so, did? yeah i'm oh, sorry yeah and uh and so he's a he was a painter and draw and draftsman and he's just so much work and so That's to do awesome. all the stuff to like get it all together for my mom sure. and whatnot it's actually kind of an awesome process it's really fun seeing it like that painting i hadn't even seen till very recent like that's like something he did when he was i don't know in his 30s or something so Anyway, it's, it's exciting. It's fun. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. My mom is, uh, she, she's alive, but she's, she's got very advanced dementia. But I have all of her artwork. Not that she was that prolific, but she's mm-hmm. very talented. I have um, sculpture at the, you know, watercolors and sketches and right above here. Yeah. And um, That's my nice. dad, because my, my dad died a few months ago. I'm and, sorry. Yeah, it's been, it's been crazy. And so she's in a nursing home, <clears throat> being well taken care of. But I had to take everything of theirs. You know, there was no <laughs> longer my parents don't have a place anymore. You know, yeah, that's 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 crazy. That's a crazy yeah. that's a crazy feeling. We were, I mean, I grew up in the in the city, and they moved out in 2012 from there, and that was that was an intense process moving. Like just because they made so much art over, they moved in in '65, and or '67. And then moving all that artwork up to here was oh very, right yeah that's a, that's an undertaking yes but uh, yeah I'm yeah I'm sorry about your father thank you yeah I'm, I'm going to the Berkshires a little later today to unless it rains I don't know but a, a friend of mine's in the Berkshires and we did a hike last week so we we're supposed to do another hike today but it just depends sounds on. great. Yeah, if the way, if it's but it looks like it may rain I don't know we'll see I may go anyway because she's has to leave the Berkshires. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, sorry about that. No problem. I have a uh, pesky, uh, probably related to my dad's death or something. Someone, some a collections place. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. It's since I didn't, yeah, I mean, who, I guess, why would we know this? But it is crazy. Like, so many, so many. Th- my mom is also doing the, like, estates of her. Oh, Way too long a story, but the estate, and on top of my dad's, finishing up my dad's estate, but then my mom's aunt is 101, and her son, who's my mom's cousin, died. He's 80, in his 80s, uh, and he was, like, taking care of her, so now my mom is taking care of her and taking care of his estate, and right. it's, like, the amount of stuff, the amount of 
collection agencies and insanity. Right. Oh, wow. So wacky. Um, well, I was glad that, um, you know, I know that um, your film is uh, sort of popped. I mean, I, I'm glad you put it on my radar. I'm glad, glad for the opportunity to have seen it. It was very entertaining. I thought oh, your cast, cast, you did a great job. Thank uh, you. It's called The Outside Story. It's going to have a... Did you ever think a year ago, Kashmir, that you would have a... Go on, um, you know. I figured I now's the time. I don't know why I crashed, but thank you for holding on. Oh, sure. No, I was worried it was my signal. We've been, we were having some internet problems, but... I haven't really. It's been pretty stable, but um, who knows? I might have to upgrade. I'm, I'm, my, the show is... Um, I have to see and look into it a little bit more, but mm -hmm. uh, the, 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 whether or not this is a really, really solid... Wi-Fi here, but anyway, um, Dig it. Uh, it took a little longer because also the recording from the, our first few minutes because that was downloading, so it had to start. Oh, right, yeah, there's the processing thing. Yeah, so it had to stop. It was only like three or four minutes, but um, I think I'm <laughs> complimenting your film. Um, please uh, go on. Maybe I maybe I missed it. We should we just go through it again. No, thank you. That's I mean everything you said was so nice. I know. I, I was saying, did you ever think uh, or imagine a year ago or whenever you were making the film that your premiere would be at a drive-in theater? <laughs> <laughs> no, not even remotely. In fact, I keep thinking, you know, for the for this rooftop film screening on Saturday, I keep thinking, you know, we're doing an intro and we're doing a Q and A, and I got the the rules for the Q and A, and it's like, okay, masked up, it's in the middle of the venue. Yeah, well, and uh, maybe it could be that my my connection is I don't know I haven't had this experience before, but it could be it's just um, right now for whatever reason maybe it's a little spotty. I don't know, I don't know, but we can, yeah, yeah. It's, then, I mean, yeah. then yeah. Anyway, we can come around to that if we need to. Um, <clears throat> Got it. Uh, so you're standing in for the Q and A. You're standing in the middle of the space. Is what you're. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just like the amount, the the rules and the way I'm picturing it, the fact that there's it, Dan Nuxall was telling me they're not, they can't amplify the Q and A, so it's going to be just in people's cars. So it's like you're talking into the void, and I just feel like I'm just trying to figure out the right way to be like, yeah, this is exactly how I pictured it yeah. to be like, yeah, right? Isn't it when we were on set, weren't we all talking about how boy we can't wait till we're wearing masks in a pandemic, showing this on the pier in Sunset Park? Of course, that's just. But that's 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 indie filmmaking right there. So it's in um, um, in industry city on the pier where I think it's actually in further up. It's, oh, I, I think, know. I it, think it's on, oh, it's yeah, in yeah. Brooklyn, Brooklyn Army Terminal. Oh yeah, I remember. At. I think I, I I saw screening at the. I think I was at that space. Mm -hmm. Unless it's a separate, but um, I remember going to one that was right by industry city out on a pier. Um, right. Yeah, it, it, should it be, could be. It could be that one. It'll be exciting. People will be very excited for it. It's a fun movie. Uh, the Outside Story. Uh, I was nice to see a couple of people there, and I knew. Yeah. But, um, you know, how many degrees are... What the heck's going on there? Who's that? That's my producer, Frank. Why would he be on this Zoom session? I, <laughs> what the... What? Frank, what? how did, how Frank did this Paul, happen? I, I meant... Hold on. I wasn't... I didn't my, have my pants down. I wasn't ready for the full <laughs> reveal. Um, you're lucky Whoa. you got on at all. You're lucky, <laughs> you're lucky you got on at all. Your timing was perfect because I was just saying I was uh, saw some friends that were involved in this 
I saw I saw Frank's name appear before, and I thought, wow, that's weird. I didn't know he was a hacker. I didn't know he could hack in the podcast. (laughs) I I made a little error by uh, testing the link early. (laughs) There, doing something. Um, Nice to see you. Nice to see you. I'm into the. I I haven't pulled this off successfully yet, and because we crashed twice, and we may yet again, but um, we. um, I reached out, and then I also reached out to. Uh, my old camp summer camp friend Maddie Mayer, we, we, she's Matt Mayer, love Matt Mayer. Yeah, so he's uh, he's an old friend, and he actually did the podcast several years ago when I was living in uh, Park Slope at the time. Mm-hmm. He's the best. He's yeah. he's in he's been he's one of my favorites. Absolutely, I was so yeah. happy he was he's in this film. Yeah, no, he's terrific in it. Um, and Frank has been on. Um, this is your twentieth time on, or no, kidding, third, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's your third visit, but I, you know, I know you're only sitting on a few minutes, but uh, we're just kind of getting around to talk. We were just talking a little bit about the rooftop screening. Um, and uh, man, you must be just while we have you, uh, Frank. You are you were working on the future plan for you know see what direction to go or directions to go. We are. First of all, I'll say. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. This is Cass's movie, 100%. So, you know, in any way that I can be on and be of service, it's been a pleasure. Wow. Um, but he's done the heavy lifting. Brian Newman, who brought me on, right. has really done um, a bang-up job through all pre-production, production, and post. Um, and then Joe Steffens also, who, who we brought on to do line producing, is also carried a lot. And, and then obviously all of the crew and the cast. So I, I play a very small role here. Mm, uh, I don't know about but, that. Yeah, I think a little, I, little bit bigger than small. Maybe a little bit bigger. Virtue, virtue signaling and humble bragging all in one sense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no. But, uh, but Cass did a fantastic job. He set out, you know, um, with a plan and he executed the plan. Um, it's a great film. We enjoy it. People love it. I think the rooftop screening is going to go fantastic. Um, it's obviously ironic that it's a terrific time to have this movie coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody knows it's got a great cast, but it's also just, it's unique in that it's just, you know, it's a nice film, you know, that doesn't, it doesn't attack you. It just, you just sit down and you enjoy it. And it's, you know, high quality, in, in all respects without having to be, you know, edgy in, in some way. And I think that was a real challenge going into it. And that's something that Cass wanted to explore and, and did. Yeah, it's, and also yeah. a love letter to New York, as he has said in the past. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's just sort of a, um, uh, you know, I didn't know what to expect, but I was, it was just such a, you know, an enjoyable experience watching it the other day. And I, I just felt, oh, it's solid film, well done cast, and uh, like you know, well written, directed. What a great cast! It looks like a gorgeous. It's gorgeous. So you know, you. and it's just Thank like, you so much. It, and it's like it's one of those you know day in the life type of situations. Um, you know, it takes place of course is your main guy. Let's remind me of the character's name. Charles. Charles is locked out of his Brooklyn brownstone apartment and it's just about all of the interactions and, uh, he's just recently broken up with the love of his life and you know he's uh, a bit um having a bit of a hard time and but it, you know his mood as well as ours as viewers are lifted by 
the love and the and just the sense of community and everything oh. else that's going on in the in the film. It's a terrific story. Thank you, you know, dare I call it feel good feel good film. And it totally yeah. totally I did not expect that ending. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and sadly, if you're watching or listening right now, and I, I'm sure you are who you are as you're hearing me say this, but uh, it, the rooftop screening is sadly. For you, it's it's sold out. That's true. That is true. But, but it's, maybe you can just crash or something. I'm not. I'm not gonna. Yeah, pull the pull the car up. The screen's big enough. You could probably see it from the street. I don't. You know, gather yeah. around. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. Sure. Um, the other thing I was thinking about on the beach this morning. I mean, we've we've played around with the the notion that this is the outside inside story, but it's like for everyone who's inside trying to get outside, this is somebody outside <laughs> trying to get inside. Totally. It's totally. That's, nice that's little, our current tagline. Right. A nice little part of the component to Charles is that he's a bit of, a, of a, um, an agoraphobe, maybe, or he's just mm-hmm. a shut-in, an admitted shut-in, so, and he's locked out. So it's like a nice kind of... Yeah. I think I, wa- I, mean, I, think I wanted someone... I was trying to figure out what's the, what was the simplest, cleanest way uh, to put someone in a position where they're totally uncomfortable where they have to kind of rediscover, you know, what they've been taking for granted, frankly, that life, they've been taking life for granted. They've been taking their block for granted, their city for granted. I mean, I've lived in New York City all my life, and I don't think it's something that's just New York City people know about, but like, you live in a city, you live in a town, it's so rich, it's so full of life, and you, human nature basically dictates that you just tune that out. Yeah. That you event just tune it out. You forget about all these kind of unique special things and the people around you and the, I don't know. There's, I, I just, I feel like I've had that same feeling experience. I've been locked out. I mean, when you get disrupted, even in that simple way where you, where Charles gets locked out of his apartment, um, I just felt like it was a great opportunity to like then foist the world upon him and he can't really escape it. He's actually got to navigate it. So I, you know, you said feel good. Dare you say feel good? I dare you to say feel good. It is feel good. Uh, that's, that, that, I wanted to make something life affirming. I, I love movies that beat me up. I love movies that are harsh. I have no problem with that. I think that's wonderful. But when a movie is like genuinely hopeful without being sentimental, without being maudlin, um, I think that's did. such a special thing. And I'm, I, 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 that to me was the challenge. How do you make this movie that's life affirming? How do you make a movie that's about these kind of like, I don't know, life ideas uh, without it being sentimental? And so that, that I think is what, that, that to me is what I was thinking about, I feel like every day when I was on set. Are, are, we, are we staying cool or are we drifting into too much kind of syrup? And so I, I because of Brian Tyree Henry, Sonequa Martin-Green, Sunita Mani, I mean, I just, there's, I, I feel like they gave us that edge, so. Yeah. Well, you can also earn your syrup, by the way. But, you know, at, yes. certain point, at a certain point in the film, if you're really being authentic, I think you earn a little syrup. Yes, so, that's a, you're, you're absolutely right. Exactly. Earning that syrup. I think that was what, that, that was the catchphrase. Earn the syrup, everybody. <laughs> um, come yeah. on. And, uh, no, I, I think you're right. And that's, that's what we were shooting for, and, and hopefully we got there. You know. Well, um, it's going to be at the uh, um, rooftop films, which I'm glad is um, figured out how to do a variation of a festival this summer. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a short season, obviously. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, but, you, were, you were saying, uh, look, you were saying, hey, did you ever think you'd have your premiere at a drive-in in, you know, Brooklyn Army Terminal? And definitely the answer is no. But I will say that, you know, when Tribeca was going to play a Tribeca Film Festival premiere there, and when that got canceled, I thought, oh, I, well, I guess the ship has sailed on having a big screen premiere in New York City. I was like, maybe someday it'll play in a theater, but then that starts to look less and less likely. So you're like, all right, it's just stream, it'll be streaming and that's fine. That's a great life for it. But I'd be lying if I didn't say that having a big screen screening of this movie, I think this movie looks beautiful on the big screen. I think because it's a small, like a small problem that kind of unfolds, I think it actually like plays really beautifully up again, like in conflict with a big screen. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought that ship had sailed. And so I just have so much, I'm so happy that there's this weird paradigm shift with festivals happening where drive-ins of bong, of course, drive-ins uh, <laughs> are happening. And with rooftop, that's amazing. I, you know, I love rooftop films and there's other festivals on the horizon and they're all really exploring Good. how to put this on the big screen in a yeah. well, low I'm anxiety saying- way. I'm living up in the midst of the area that, you know, where Woodstock Film Festival takes place. And I think that they were trying to, um, that's where Frank and I actually met some five years ago or something. But uh, uh, I'm now living across the river in uh, Red Hook, I guess, Mm -hmm. centrally, Tivoli Red Hook area. Near the the Bard, the Bard film. Very close to Bard. Yeah. They They show great films. Well, Maybe not right now. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's the, I came up here just so you get a little breathing space, but also um, there is normally art chock full of arts up here, but not, not, not this summer, of course, but uh, yeah. You know. But um, I think that they were, the reason I brought it up was because I remember seeing a picture of the woman who runs the Woodstock Film Festival at, at a drive-in very early on checking out local drive-ins. Mm-hmm. So definitely, I mean, it would be pretty cool if that is what they're planning. Yeah, I think they've been doing, I think they've been doing, uh, dri- like there's a drive-in in Greenville, somewhere, I think a town called Greenville is where they've been doing it, but okay. there's a few in the area. I think drive-ins are oh, actually sure. yeah. kind of amazing. I mean, I haven't been to a drive-in in probably 15 years, but I am excited for the drive-in renaissance that I think is upon us at this, at this moment. Do they have a, do they get a, uh, like a radio, like a frequency? Is that how it works? Yeah. They put it up on this big screen and then they pump it through, uh, like 88.1, like whatever the kind of like low FM station is. I they see. push, they push the audio through there. That's why the Q and A is so hilarious because there's no big, there's no speaker. You're just right. stand, as Dan put it, you're just talking into the void as the, uh, as the audio plays in the cars. Okay. So you might get a honk, you might get a honk if you, if you land the joke, but uh, <laughs> short, short of that, short of that, you have no idea if there, if anyone's listening. Right. Who, so, and your cinematographer was? Uh, her name is Zelmira Gainza. And, uh, and she's wonderful. She's truly wonderful. Um, Frank was talking about some of the people that really got this film to happen. Uh, and Zelmira is definitely one of them. And she, this was her second feature, I believe, second narrative feature. Wow. And just like an incredible essential collaborator right from the beginning, really wonderful person to uh, to make this film with. And um, is this, uh, is, how many features have you made now? Is this your, like this I get narrative features. Is this your first? This Who, is me? Yes. Yeah. My first, yeah. this is number one. I've made over a um, hundred short films and I got a little too, uh, 
I had to break the addiction to the short film, um, but this is my first feature. Yeah, we're looking forward to seeing the script to number two. Absolutely. It's, re- it's, it's almost ready. Um, it's guys, almost I'm ready. Have to, I gotta jump off. I've got people that are waiting for me, not as important as you two, but uh-huh. I should give them some of my time nonetheless. Frank, it's so nice to see you. Thanks for being game and uh, Um, it's so much fun. Yeah. So, I mean, the outside story, you can just find it, you know, uh, on social media and you can just follow us and figure out, uh, you know, figure out what's coming down the pike. Obviously, there are going to be more festival screenings and there's going to be distribution. And, you know, it's one of those casts where it's like, oh, I know that person. I know that person. I know that person. Totally. So, and I think it's going to have a long, a long life through um, word of mouth and because people are going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's a, it, I always say this is a, this is a hard film not to like, you know, <laughs> I'd be, you know, what, uh, I don't know what someone would say about it, you know? Yeah. Right. So, well, that's kind. Right. <clears throat> so I challenge you to, to watch it. Um, Cass, congratulations. Adam, great to see you. Thanks for reaching out to me. I appreciate it. Oh, and I look Same forward thing. to seeing you both yeah. in another time and era. Okay. Yes. Frank, great to see you. We'll do it again. Thank you. Take Bye, care. Guys. What a bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That was, a, that was exciting. I feel like I got my heart pumping. I was like, Frank's here. What's happening? What's going on? <laughs> yeah. I read that Maddie is visiting his folks, and I think he was running around out, out and about. But I, I sent him, like I said, just in case here, just in case you can, you can make it happen. Get him on here. That'd be, that'd be great. Then, I've, been do- I've, I've, been doing, I've been doing these one-minute interviews with the cast and crew very slowly, reconstructing the film with very, very tiny little interviews. And I did one with Matt Mayer, and oh, he's the best. That guy is the best. Yeah. He's very beloved. Like we have, we're still a community from our summer camp. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, and everybody, he, his name comes up all the time because uh, you know he's just he was a great kid. Yeah, and he's a great uh, whatever it, that you call it after being a kid. Adult. <laughs> uh, was and, it day camp or was it sleepaway? Oh, sleepaway. Yeah, no, he, we, he was a teenager. We were um, it was uh, up in Vermont. Okay. And, uh, uh, I'm sure it was at least three, two or three summers that we overlap. But I was older, so I was like, I believe a camp counselor when he was a camper. So he's like five, six younger than than I am. But uh, yeah, camp friends, man, camp friends are the best. Yeah, it's I, we, we're we're more in touch than ever right now because of what's going on, you know. Mm-hmm. And sure, I sure. wanted to mention that in the context of that, this is there's a little bit of an irony, in the sense that um, now we're all shut-ins, but also that. You know, it's it's just it's a nice movie to see um, right now, also, mm-hmm. especially right now for for whatever reason. And the your character is, you know, he's he's um, you know he's uh, he's good every man, you know, <laughs> for the COVID age. Yeah, right. Yeah, What's I think again is Brian. What's that? Brian. What? Brian. Brian is- Tyree Henry, and he plays Charles. Charles Young is the character's name. Right. I know you ran through some of the actors before. Yeah. I mean, I, they're the whole, yeah. I mean, it's like, I guess I kind of love movies that have really nice ensembles. I'm not saying, right. I'm not trying to draw a parallel between let's say us and Nashville, but like, you know, anything where, I mean, let's, let's do it. I mean, or let's do it. Yeah. Um, no, but like, 
I just, I love movies where people surface, disappear, surface, come back, you know, and then it kind of, the tapestry kind of reveals itself. And so again, you know, when I'm writing it, I'm looking for like this great excuse to bring, you know, I, half of these actors I had never met before. They were just people I admired who I just like loved watching. Sonequa Martin-Green, I loved on The Walking Dead. Brian Tyree Henry, of course, you know, on Atlanta, which is probably my favorite show on TV right now. Um, uh, Sunita Mani, who is in my favorite music video of all time, the Turn Down for What music video. She's also on Glow now. Um, and then the other half were people who I just know from like the theater world and from New York indie circles, like Matt Mayer. My wife is in it, Hannah Boss. Uh, oh. She plays Paige, the pregnant woman. Oh. Um, and she's and and she's in the she has a theater company and so I know Matt through her and I know Michael Cyril right. Creighton who plays the upstairs neighbor through her. Um, uh, Rebecca Naomi Jones is someone who you know again I've also admired girl? from afar. What's who's that? The, who's the little girl? Little uh, the little girl is Olivia Edward. Now she's someone who I didn't know personally, but just I love the show Better Things, uh, which is on FX. Pamela Adlon show and she sure. plays the young. Oh, she's the, one of the girls. I thought she was way too. Good. <laughs> this kid she, is amazing. I mean, um, yeah, she's great. Yeah, she's she really great. She, play, she plays the youngest daughter on Better Things, and she was. I mean, everyone on this movie was so game. We shot it in sixteen days. We shot it very quickly. We ran very fast. Um, I also want to give a shout out while I'm talking about scheduling to my first AD, Laura Klein, who just, again, I'm just a genius wizard. Um, but I think we had to have actors who were like totally good to go with like, jump out of the van, do it, two takes, back in the van, next location. Mm -hmm. um, and Olivia was someone who I just feel like was like the epitome of that spirit, who was just like totally up for anything, so prepared. I don't know, I haven't worked with that many child actors. And so I, you know, you hear kind of uh, stories and, she was so incredible and so poised. And uh, she freaking learned how to play the, you know, I mean, she knows how to play the piano, but she learned how to really pretty, do a pretty good job. Mirror yeah, the- yeah, That was a good, that was a great scene. Great moment. Oh, oh thank you. Um, that's a fun, yeah, that's, I mean, that piece, uh, <laughs> man, that was fun building up to that and fun getting to that moment was, was really, I guess that's a, that's a kind of earn your, Earn your earn your syrup moment. I mean, that's I wouldn't great. say it's right. that's a, necessarily sentimental, but earn your tears. Well, yeah, yeah tears. And, right, and it, or just yeah, or even the comedy bits. You know, you have to earn those too. Otherwise, they're just these. You know that you're just trying. They, they're out of place. You know, if you're not careful, mm -hmm. they're just thrown in. Um, when you're making a film that about real emotional moments. Yeah, um, I totally yeah. agree. Yeah, uh, so. Um, so it, 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 again, the film is called The Outside Story, and um, we've all forgotten our keys at home at one point or another. <laughs> Have you ever been locked out? Have you oh, ever? Uh, oh, yeah, sure. I've, um, I, I've been locked out a, a fair number of times. I don't even consider myself that scattered a person, but it just, I think I've yeah. lived in a lot of apartments that doors lock when they close. I don't know why I, right. I, guess, I, I guess in New York City that, that feels right. But um, yeah, I've locked myself out a few times and I, it's usually an interesting, I've had a mostly interesting experience. It's been annoying and very interesting. So yeah, well, I think it usually happens when you're out of your, when you're not doing your typical um, 
what's the word? Uh, ritual. Mm -hmm. uh, in other words, you leave your keys in a specific place. Right. And you leave them there when you walk in and you grab them on the way out. And yep. you will, if you do that more than a handful of times, chances are you won't lock yourself out. It's when you accidentally that one time because your phone is ringing and you're distracted <laughs> or something happens and then you put them somewhere else and then you run out of the apartment. Yep. That's when you forget it, that kind of thing. So it's, no, it's true. It's true. It's and, uh, fate, you know, fate intervenes in some way and, and makes so you locked always good to have a neighbor with the keys. <laughs> It's true. But, um, I think we're almost, we're probably within a few more years, you figure there'll be an app. But of course, you can leave your phone at home, too. Yeah, there's, yeah, there'll always be a way to be locked out. If not your home, then your car. You might be locked out of your car. You might be locked out of work. There's like lots of ways to be locked out. Better locked out, I kind of feel like, than locked in. I mean, that's so right. just, yeah. just. I can't tell you how many times I've locked myself in my car. It's really embarrassing. <laughs> That's that's tough. That's, yeah. You just got to you just got to keep driving at that point. That's pretty much it, you know. Pretty much. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I will be posting this uh, video. I think if that's, I know I'll have to edit it together to make it into a little. I'll do a little editing, but I want to get this up today. That's wonderful. It might be later tonight, but we'll have enough time to. Or if I can work on it, I have about a next 40 minutes <laughs> so maybe i can get some of this done right i just post yeah, yeah. it and then the audio version i'll get mm -hmm. up i'll also put up as soon as possible but one other thing we can do is and we're gonna just do a part two honestly when when you get to the distribution conversation oh, that'd be fun yeah you know, we, i'm happy to do it again maybe we can bring on some of the cast then or something like oh, that Oh, that would be great i bet you we know? could so i'm happy to do it I, I i like sticking with films through their life cycle and supporting I, so it's a good one i like finding three you know two or three indies every year that are truly that are that i really like and then i just like doing what i can and getting the word oh. out getting people to see it last year that one of the one of the movies was south mountain with talia balsam oh i haven't seen it oh yeah yeah she is okay. she's a revelation i know it's like kind of like a trope term to use but she really she's a normal <laughs> of this film and it's oh, by it hillary out. brocker who is the uh chair at the columbia film school Columbia okay. University, but she's um, only made maybe three features in her, you know, of her own. And this new, this one, South Mountain, was in the site, it was in the film festivals in the last year or so. And it was sort of Maryland, but it was at, I think it was at South by. Hmm. And then it went to, oh, was it, it was at uh, Cinema Fest, you know, it had a really mm -hmm. good run. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I'm going to check, I'm going to check that out. I feel yeah, like South Mountain, you can watch it now. It's on, it's on, uh, you know, iTunes, what have you. Got it. No, that's yeah, great. Yeah, check it out. It's a really good movie. Okay, good. I will. I'm going to put that. That's on the list. I've been watching some good stuff. I feel like it's that's yeah. another pan pandemic pastime is find the movies, fill the gaps, fill the gaps of the movies that uh, you've missed in some way. Yeah. I, watched, uh, I watched Irma Vep the other night. I'd never seen Irma Vep. I'm ashamed to say. And damn, is that a good movie. Just throwing it out there. Um, yeah, Michelle. Uh, wait, Irma Vep was... Uh, Rather, um, it's it's an essay, uh, Olivia Assayas movie. Uh, yeah, Assayas. Uh, so he he did my podcast. Oh, he's I, I've many got years say, ago. That was intimidating. I can imagine. But I can he imagine. Good. He was he was very friendly, very nice. Um, I love his. I really love his movies. And uh, man, yeah, it's been it was fun. It was fun. That was one that I thought you know missed when it came I out. Have to see it again. Yeah, it's so good. I mean, it's so also if you love films about film, I mean, it's right. kind of it's one of the essential ones. I think for sure. You know. Sure. Yeah. Um, all righty. Well, 
um, maybe we'll run into each other up in the Hudson Valley. <laughs> hey, that would be fun. That would yeah. be great. Glad we were within the same, uh, you know, county-ish. Maybe you're in Duchess. You might be in Duchess. I'm, I'm in actually funny. And I, I essentially am for all intent, but I'm right over the border in Columbia County. But like, Columbia. you can Whoa. walk. No, it's like a minute down the road. I'm like right over the border. I'm well, on the that, south, south border of uh, Columbia. Then we'll, ne- we'll never meet. That's it. Yeah, Columbia. I, I draw the line at Columbia County. So the bridge so too far, literally. Exactly. Um, but what, so what's the local, um, I guess you're right over the Poughkeepsie Bridge or what have you. Yeah, I'm like by, do you know where Mohonk is or Minnewaska? Sure. So I'm yes, right, we're, we're right, right next to, yeah. we're right next to Mohonk and. Um, I almost moved into Kerhonkson. Wonderful town. I did a lot of partying there in my, in my youth. Oh. That's a, that's a great, that's a great place to hang. Right at the um, foothill, right at the foot of the Mohonk, you know. And, yeah, absolutely. No, I love Kerhonkson. I love this whole this whole area and uh, yeah. yeah, High Falls is kind of like the tiny little town in the midst of all those, uh, all those different places. It's good stuff, man. A lot of swimming holes. I feel like a good swimming hole. I do. I'm looking for one. There's a great, well, there's a great one right here. I'm sure you've got ones that are closer, but maybe d- deep hole. It might be a nice thing to do. Deep hole. Highly recommended, especially if you can get there on a weekday. What is it called? Deep hole. Deep hole. Okay. And it's in Accord, and it's a damn fine. Oh, I know fine, Accord. My friend has a house there, but I haven't, I haven't been there, but I know Accord. Damn fine, damn fine swimming hole, and it's kind of in the midst of a long stream, so you can kind of find lots of spots oh, if you're... Oh, great. You know, it's great. Yeah. Well, we have each other's phone numbers now, too, so let's, let's figure something out this summer. That'd be great. That'd be great. Adam, it's yeah. like such a pleasure to do this show, and such an honor, Adam, too. Not, I Thank know, you. and you've been somebody who wanted to, you know, eventually it's nice to bring on everybody, and, uh, you know, you've always been a very nice person. I've liked a lot of your shorts. and Oh, thank uh, you. So it was like always, this was just the right timing and the right moment. Everything fell together perfectly. Ah, that's great. I feel the same way. Thank you so much. You bet. All righty. Cool, man. Talk right. to you soon. You bet. Okay. okay. Bye-bye. Bye now. What are you talking about? I am getting back out there. Get out of my house! Out! Hey! Ow! Where are your shoes, man? Please, you gotta let me up. Open the door! That was bad. My name is Adam Sharpett. The name of the podcast is Film Wax Radio. Take care of yourselves and the ones you love. Until next time. Broken lines, broken strings, broken threads, broken springs, broken idols, broken heads.